Hey y'all, welcome back to But Not All At Once, the podcast for people who absolutely never want to hear the phrase unprecedented times ever again. And in fact, will perform a citizen's arrest for anyone with the audacity to throw that around as though we can't say what it really is. Craptastic times, not what we want times, straight up unfun times. I'm Anne. Thank you for coming to my episode of The Dictionary. On our episode of But Not All at Once, we're going to talk to an intuitive eating expert who's going to tackle more than just our jokes about gaining the COVID-19. She's going to talk to us about a self-care framework that involves allowing our bodies to consume anything they want, anytime they want. If that's something that sounds as scary to you as it does to me, then you are definitely someone who needs to listen to this conversation. We scratch the surface. There is so much to delve into here, and I can't wait to read your comments and your DMs and bring Kate Morris, our expert, back for more conversations on such an important topic. More than anything, I hope that you walk away from this understanding that everything tastes better and is better for us without a side of guilt and shame, that the only way we can raise a generation of people who are freer and healthier than we are is by working to trust our bodies and not use social media or quote unquote experts or any outside authority to tell us what we need to stop and listen. Our bodies are marvels and miracles and have gotten us through so much, whether that's childbirth or a global pandemic. We should be thankful. And when we're not, it's probably because we're looking elsewhere for clues about how we should look and what we should be eating. And when we do that, we wonder why we're not measuring up. And as Kate will tell us, it's because the game was rigged from the jump. So this is just one conversation of many we'll be having about this topic. And you'll hear all about my comfort foods if you listen closely enough to hear the examples I bring up. Um, So I tip my chicken pot pie to you, friends. And thank you for being a safe and loving community to have this conversation with. Let's jump into it. I am here with Kate Morris, who has probably spent more time than she needed to (laughs) chit-chatting with me. And at a certain point, I was like, hey, we got to stop chit-chatting and start recording because this is such good material. This is someone who knows so much about the heart and soul of both motherhood and body image issues and eating issues and where diet culture and popular culture and health and wellness all intersect, which is, by the way, a big hot mess. So God bless you for pursuing this as a career path. But let me give you the opportunity before I just proclaim you as, you know, the master untangler of that nasty little web we weave. Um, Let me give you a chance to introduce yourself and talk about what you do and why you're doing what you do. So I grew up in Greenville, South Carolina. And since then, um, you know, long story, super, super short, my journey has been pretty circuitous. Um, Mm. It has included my own eating disorder experience, a couple stints in grad school, and three mm. children. Um, but couple I am degrees, a <laughs> couple of kids, you know, yeah, the usual. Right. Um, but I am now working as a clinical social worker at Norwich University, which is a military school in central Vermont. And there, I work with young people who are struggling with a variety of things. Um, but especially eating disorders and disordered eating. That's really where my Mm. passion lies. And as part of that, I am a certified intuitive eating counselor. And so I do the work of intuitive eating every day. And I really just love every chance I get to talk about it, to answer questions about it and, you know, share the good news. Well, we're about to do that, my friend. (laughs) We're about to do it. So tell me what intuitive eating even is. Yeah, it is created in 1995 by two dietitians, Evelyn Tribley and Elise Resch. And um, they define it as a self-care eating framework. So it is not, um, it is of course, maybe it goes without saying, um, not a diet. It is not about control. It is not about tricking our bodies. It is about caring for them um, Mm. with enormous respect and enormous trust. 
And it integrates instinct, so it integrates um, you know, what we know without knowing. Um, it integrates that and emotion and rational thought. It, it's really our body, heart, and mind that go into the work of intuitive eating. It uses 10 principles to do that, um, not in any specific order. It's mostly there are 10 things that go into the work of intuitive eating. And there are um, gobs is really the clinical word. Um, gobs of, scientific term <laughs> of studies proving it to be really effective. And and when I talk about its efficacy, I mean um, you know it, it shows lower rates of disordered eating, higher self esteem, better body image, more life satisfaction, higher rates of optimism and well being, lower um, occurrence of mental illness. And that's, but we're not necessarily tying that to weight loss. We are absolutely not. Yeah. And that's a tricky spot to land in. It is so hard. And I think it's, um, you know, the first principle of intuitive eating is to reject the diet mentality. And I think a lot of us are getting good at this point at saying, well, yeah, we know diets don't work. We know diets, quote unquote, are not are not the direction we want to head in but i think it has been rebranded so well um, that it's it's really hard to as you said untangle what is a Mm -hmm. diet and what is not and and really the way i describe it is anything that is pointing outside of ourselves that points to some external authority to tell us how to eat, how to move our bodies, and really what size our bodies need to be. Um, If if what we are um, looking to does any of that, it's a good indication that that it fits in this diet mentality or diet culture. And that's most of what we're going to be receiving every mm. day. I mean, and print yeah. online Absolutely. and social media from our friends. Absolutely. It's tricky for even the healthiest among mm-hmm. us, mentally healthy and emotionally healthy, to decipher. You know, I think something we struggle with so much as a lay person, I see this, and as someone who's walked through disordered eating and body dysmorphia as many, many women have many Mm -hmm. more women Mm -hmm. probably than even know it. Um, One thing I see a lot is the absolute acceptance of orthorexia, which if you look at the, I'm a total nerd and I'm okay with that. So I took like six years of Latin, you know, we're, we're looking at the etymology of these words. So the term orthorexia, just like orthodontist orthopedics, comes from the word that means right Mm -hmm. and and eating Mm -hmm. or appetite and what we're looking at is a way of eating that we consider clean or right Mm -hmm. or healthy and no one could fight that right Mm -hmm. i need clean local vegetables seasonal fruits and less carbs and no grains or whatever the confines the the constrictions are you know i I did a whole 30 at one point Mm -hmm. um to reset myself. And now I look back and I was three months after having my last child breastfeeding full time. It is a full time job. Mm -hmm. 90 days after you've given birth. FYI. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, and this looks like a really healthy way to reset because mm-hmm. I felt like my children are coming home for the summer. You know, it's it's mid to late May. It was this time four years ago. Um, and I'm really reaching to sugar and carbs for comfort and energy because I'm stressed. I'm providing childcare. I'm also working. I'm also nursing. And what I found, and this is not to denigrate the Whole30, because I think there can be some real value in eliminating things to see how your body reacts to them. Mm-hmm. But for my mind and my body, which, by the way, we this episode has now become the Ann Smith show, <laughs> and it's fine. It took a good 90 to 120 days to untangle the mess that those incredibly restrictive thoughts created and for folks who haven't been through a whole 30 it's there's no dairy there's no grain of any kind no corn no rice there's 
you know, no butter, no, essentially it was a lot, lot, lot of vegetables, a lot, lot, lot of fruits, fresh fish and grilled chicken and everything had to be prepared in a certain way no sweetener of any kind it was honestly mm-hmm. it got to a point where I saw a billboard on the interstate as we were driving to see family and I had a dream about it that night mm-hmm. that I had eaten what was on the billboard and it scared me I am an Enneagram one mm-hmm. I am a person who loves rules mm-hmm. and restrictions and right and wrong and it's black and white and it took so long oh. to untangle the idea that food is not inherently good or bad it's just food and I don't know who thought breastfeeding another human being who literally relies only on your body for nutrition yeah this seems like a great time Mm -hmm. to just cut out everything you're relying on for funsies but I mean that's a time this is normal yeah well, and that's a time when you are, when we are all so vulnerable, right? Mm. And I think um, that's what makes this so dangerous. You know, there are a few things that happen when we restrict food. Um, and, and here, when I say restrict, you know, I could, that could mean um, a quote unquote diet, but that could mm-hmm. mean um, I'm just going to, you know, try to clean it up or just try to right. tighten it up. Just go paleo for a while. Yeah, right. Just to quote unquote, see how it makes yeah. me feel. And just be clean. And again, I think we just have to be real honest with if that is in fact our motivation. Mm. Great, right? Or is there a part of us that, and that's where, you know, this this rejecting the diet mentality is so hard because there are so often these lingering hopes, right? Or these lingering um, like, uh, ideals that, um, that, okay, yeah, maybe it'll make me feel better. And maybe I'll also shed, you know, X number of pounds before summer. Right. I I wouldn't cry about it. Right. Um, and so I think we have to be real clear about where that, um, diet mentality sort of lurks and how it sneaks in. And it's, Mm. we're really vulnerable to it at, at certain points in our life, um, including postpartum. Including, mm. you know, say during a global pandemic. I'm um, right. Yeah. Right. Where we all are finding ourselves dab smack in the middle, Absolutely. whether we've given birth recently or not. So what do we do? Well, I'm, I, it, I do think it's super important to know what happens, right? To know what is go, what the processes that are taking place in our body and mind. So when we start to restrict food, first of all, you know, cognitively, exactly like you just described, we become hyper-focused on the thing Mm. that we can't have. Um, You know, one only has to have hung out with a toddler and told them that they cannot have your phone um, to know that this is simply how we are programmed. Right. I love that you say hung out with a toddler. Like that's a life choice that we're all making. I just want to spend 30 minutes, just want to chill out with a toddler tonight. Yeah, uh, yeah It's my right. normal Friday night routine. Um, well, maybe that makes sense. I've hung out with a, a few better. toddlers in the last decade. <laughs> I'm doing so much hanging out. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so we become really focused on that. That's what's going on with our mind. Um, the one thing we can't have, yeah. Absolutely. There's research, and and a lot of this research in particular is done with kids. Um, And, you know, kids are offered uh, yellow M&Ms and red M&Ms. They're told they can have all the yellow M&Ms they want, but they can't touch the red M&Ms. And without fail, they eat more of the red M&Ms. That is simply biology. Emotionally, there's so much shame or fear or like uh, avoidance of shame. that goes along with this, right? Because if, if the option is clean or, or if this particular regimen is being billed as clean, what's the opposite of that? It's dirty, Terrible. right? Right. If it's this wrong. is right, it's that's wrong. Yeah. If this is good and holy and, you know, we'll make our lives better and we choose the opposite of that. We're letting ourselves go. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of shame, um, Or, like I said, shame just on the other end Mm. of that. Physically, biology begins to take over. And this is why we are still alive on this planet this many millennia later. And thank God for that. Right? 
but yeah. it feels like something bad is happening. Our bodies are programmed to respond to food scarcity, which is really how our bodies understand any sort of restriction, intentional or not. Like our bodies don't know that we're just trying to clean it up before summer, right? right? They don't know it's just no calories available. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so it is, it is programmed to respond to that with food-seeking behavior. I talk to so many people who say that, you know, who, who truly believe that they are broken because they're binging at the mm-hmm. end of the day. When in fact, when we look at like their pattern of eating, they are hungry at the end of the day. And they have made so many decisions to avoid that, you know, the decision fatigue plus the general fatigue plus um, the just hunger the the really Mm. primal at that point hunger necessitates that they find food um and our bodies win the majority of the time and again you know thank goodness for that when our bodies don't win that's often when we see eating disorders and there's a lot of interesting research right now on why that happens for some people and not for others what are they finding is it a genetic component there is some of that um and and again you know it's a oftentimes it is a a perfect storm when it happens Um, it's It's a very complicated little tangled web it is it's very in and of itself but i do find and i know from my own experience with disordered eating that it almost felt a bit like a high Mm -hmm. it was such a fixation it was such a focus that kind of winning achieving doing it felt like such a high Mm -hmm. um and it makes sense why so many of us especially as adults when You know, many people deal with eating disorders earlier in life when there are less mortgages and children Mm -hmm. and car payments and jobs. And now on this end, when eating is a thing we have to do, Mm -hmm. comfort is a thing we sometimes seek in food, it feels like such a failure and Mm -hmm. such a shame Mm -hmm. when, I mean, we're literally wired Mm -hmm. to eat food to survive. Absolutely. That's that's how all of this works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know... The other clever thing that diet culture has done, and, and it, is, it is, I mean, it's just a very successful, you know, world that is um, really capitalizing on um, a lot of fear and a lot of, um, a lot of just angst. They really set it up so that it's the consumer's fault, right? Mm, um, sure. We know that these plans, diets, regimens, etc. Um, we know they don't work 95 to 98% of the time. They're not sustainable. They are not sustainable. And in fact, what we're finding is that dieting, and, and again, restricting, um, intentional weight loss is the most consistent predictor of weight gain. Mm. And you know, I, I work with college students, so a lot of times <laughs> um, I'll say, like, what if you had a birth control that, that you purchased and you said, um, and it said it, it doesn't work 95 to 98% of the time, but, <laughs> but go, like you may be in that lucky few. Go for Hard it. Hard pass. Hard pass. <laughs> right? Big time. And mm-hmm. if it failed we wouldn't feel guilty for right we would right, feel that's, like okay, that's on you it totally mm-hmm. there would be lawsuits but it is just not that way um for these eating plans these eating regimens all the blame is put on the consumer all of the failure is put on our willpower it's it's such a shame too because it it really does act like you know we are not for example cars you know, mm-hmm. where cars need every 3,000 3, miles, mm-hmm. they need this every, you know, when the tank runs out, you need to give it this. Mm-hmm. But I am not the same as I'm, I'm a five foot nine woman. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm larger than your, your average gal. Um, that's just, I didn't realize that until I went to college when I was like, wait, am I man size? What are all these, who are all these tiny men? My dad's six foot four. Like what, what is happening? Okay. I don't, I feel like I have been bamboozled. And the fact of the matter is, you know, 
the numbers are going to be different Mm -hmm. for every gal down the road. And about two years ago, two and a half years ago, I started lifting weights for the first time, which was incredibly empowering Mm -hmm. for me. I hate cardio. Mm -hmm. It is it is something that I use to torture myself for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's not super fun. Absolutely. Getting my heart rate up in other ways, I, I don't mind so yeah. much. Um, so what I do now is, you know, not do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't run. I'll take a great brisk walk. I'll maybe do some like intervals in between weightlifting sets uh, that have my heart rate up. But I, I will not be a girl who's, you know, going to do ultra marathons. That's not a thing that's going to happen. But I did um, this and I worked with a, a fitness professional whom I really respected and admired. She was not someone who was all about six packs and mm-hmm. rippled abs and lifting your rump and all the things. And I was like, this is great. But even then there was a program. I bought a one month program from her special workout. We're going to do this. And it came with a macronutrient calculation. Oh. And I said, Hey, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want your calculations. <laughs> it's not good for me. I can't like weighing my and measuring my food I don't care if I'm 95. It's Mm -hmm. not a thing I'll ever be able to do sensibly or calmly. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just not good for me to weigh everything that I consume. And she said, well, it's just automatic. It'll just come with what you have. You know, you can take it or leave it. So I left it. But before I left it, I read the email that I got Mm -hmm. that said that on my cardio days, my calorie calculation, again, I'm five foot nine. Mm was 1,345 calories. Mm -hmm. I laughed so hard Mm -hmm. that my husband came to investigate Mm -hmm. about my mental wellness. He was like, ma'am, is something happening? 1,345 calories is not a thing that will be happening if I'm in the gym five to six days a week. That's Mm -hmm. a hard executive, very intentional no. And... Purchasing this from someone who, I whom I admire, who, mm-hmm. who claims to be an expert on wellness, would make me, as your average gal, mm-hmm. feel like what is wrong with me? That thirteen hundred calories does not, and not to mention we're breaking it down by fiber, uh, fat, yeah. protein, you know, carbs, all the things. Yeah. Again, my brain is not the same as every other girl's brain. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't just turn that on and off. So I know mm-hmm. that once I start weighing and measuring things, and I still remember the calorie content of things mm-hmm. I ate 20 years ago, mm-hmm. because that was how my brain worked at a not awesome time in my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're not doing that. So thanks for your input. But 1,345 calories, Kate, yeah. while I'm working out six days a week, are you on mushrooms? Yeah. Are, are we doing different math? <laughs> I know. There's a really interesting, um, have you heard of the Minnesota starvation experiment? I have not, but I felt like I lived it when I read that email. Well, it's essentially, you, you would have had you taken the bait. It was a group of very, very healthy men, um, World War II conscientious objectors, and um, they were... Um, recruited for this study to basically explore the physiological and psychological effects of um, dietary restriction. Which is probably important in wartime. Well, and that's what the purpose was. And it has since, you know, informed so much of what um, intuitive eating does and what a lot of Mm -hmm. the anti-diet world does. Um, But basically they were... I want to, and I don't have it in front of me, but um, I want to say it was six months. And um, so not, you know, a super long time. There are plenty of people who've been doing this kind of thing for years and years. Um, They were healthy to start and they were eating about 1700 calories a day. So they were young men. um, But that is, that is really um, very aligned with what a lot of diets would recommend. And what happened was you know, it was wild. They um, lost, well, they lost a bunch of weight, but they lost a ton of energy. They started, um, they lost interest in relationships and socializing. Mm-hmm. They lost a sense of humor. Um, Hashtag they lost, depression. Uh, yeah, absolutely. They lost interest in um, 
in, in anything that really did not pertain to food. This was pre-Pinterest and they started collecting recipes. They started talking oh, about food. They, they, st- they started stealing food in a lot of cases right. and, and binging and in some cases purging because they felt so much shame and guilt around having oh, um, gone away from this, for, around having really not been able to maintain it. And again, that's biology winning. Um, but then it took them years to really get back to to that healthy baseline. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, we can still be eating, um, quote unquote, sensible, what, what do they say? Like a sensible diet, right? Uh, yes, um, like a slim fast for two meals a day and then a sensible, and then a sensible diet sensible for dinner. Yeah. I remember that from my um, <laughs> We can still be taking in calories and have these massive physiological and psychological um, effects. Mm. And, you know, I think that also is a great, like your example was a great, uh, is a great example of that dichotomy between sort of, you know, the societal norm and intuitive eating. It's that, um, that dichotomy between external information, external authority, along with which comes a mistrust of our body, right? Mm -hmm. A reliance on these, these external figures and plans. Um, and, and, you know, no mention of, well, what are you hungry for? Or how much do right. you think you need, et cetera, et cetera. And, and intuitive eating really does the opposite. It turns the lens the opposite direction. And it says, okay, let's begin to tune into your body's cues. Let's begin to get real fami- familiar with the information that's coming internally. And, and our body's wisdom, you know. So let's talk about that a little more, because honestly, as a woman who has had eyes and ears and written a few senior theses on the messages that women receive in popular culture, um, I find myself incredibly distrustful Mm -hmm. of this machine that I live in Mm -hmm. that has not only carried me through life, Mm -hmm. but has also delivered for living, breathing, healthy humans isn't that and remarkable? Many yeah. a hard thing. And, you know, I look at how I would speak to a friend, and this is always my litmus test, and mm-hmm. I fail it mm-hmm. miserably. But, you know, what would I say to someone I care about? Mm-hmm. Does it matter to me right now whether you have stretch marks on your belly as we're speaking mm-hmm. about intuitive eating or what your field of expertise mm-hmm. is? Not in the least. Mm-hmm. I do not care. And yet so many of us hold a standard for ourselves, whether we've given birth or not. I mean, this Mm -hmm. has been something I've carried since I was 14. Um, and we can't drop that. We are taught this, you know, for instance, if you told me intuitive eating is really listening to your body, Mm -hmm. I would have felt immediate panic and thought this body is going to want cake with buttercream icing, Mm -hmm. three meals a day, 30 days a month help. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you're going to have to roll me out of this house straight to a hospital. What are we going to do? Yes. What would you say is the initial reaction folks have to intuitive eating and then how you kind of tiptoe them into don't take deep breaths. It's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, absolutely. I mean, and thank you for, for saying that. Cause I think that is, you know, the every person's experience. Um, a couple things, uh, you know, the first is what I've already said um, and what, you know, I think we're all really aware of to an extent, which is that there is a lot of money to be made in us mistrusting our bodies. Sure. This sounds like a super cynical approach and, and I don't mean to be, um, you know, sassy, too sassy. I'm, I'm a little sassy, but, <laughs> um, but I do think there's a role for anger in this yeah, process. And I think, absolutely. you know, I've talked to a lot of people who get to a place where they can say, I'm so mad at, mm. at what I've been told at sure. the time that I've wasted at the money that I've wasted at the energy that I've wasted. So I think just to keep it's that breaking, it is heartbreaking. 
And I think to keep that in mind can be helpful as we begin to, um, to think about, to consider the possibility of another way, right? The other, I think the process of, of returning to our body and, and um, returning to that trust and, that, and, and beginning to like believe again in that wisdom mm. is ongoing. It is, it is a forever job. Um, but I think exactly what you said, you know, to, to really sort of meditate or pray or sit with these realizations that you just had, right? That, okay, your body did this four times. Mm. Your body knew exactly what to do. Incredible. Incredible. And it bounces back. And I don't mean like, Hey, I've got a six pack. You should see it. I mean, what goes up must come down. I gave it what it wanted. Sometimes it was cornbread. <laughs> Sometimes it was banana popsicles. Absolutely. And, and that baby came out healthy and happy. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. But also our bodies, you know, breathe regularly mm. every day. We our, our bodies know what to do with, um, with everything that we throw at them, really. Right? right? Our bodies know what to do. Um, with a lot of stress, you know, there are systems in our, in our body that go up. There are things that come down. Um, mm. our bodies know what to do with too little sleep. You know, our bodies know what to do with, with too much food, too little food, like amazing things happen all of the time. And I, so I think to begin to just hold those front and center, um, mm. can really help with that process. Gratitude for what our bodies do, not what they look like. Mm. Um, there is a, um, there are two sisters, um, Lindsay and Lexi Kite, I believe, and they have an organization called Beauty Redefined and they're, yes. Um, oh, I love their Instagram account. Yeah. And they, their, you know, motto is my body is an instrument, not an ornament. And I think there mm. are other people who That's have said tough. that in other ways, but to really begin to live with this idea that our bodies are not what they look like. Um, our bodies are what they do. And frankly, they are, they are what we, what we use to do our life, right? They are not our purpose. They are not our life. And that's a tricky thing because in so many ways, the messages we receive all day long tell us, yes, your body is to serve other people, to Mm -hmm. do things, but it should also look awesome Mm -hmm. or you could look better. Mm -hmm. But when I think of what I needed, for example, as a child, Um, and I I like to think about before I was really aware of what my body looked like, you know, when I was just seven and kind of going down a slip and slide and picking out a bathing suit based on like the cool pattern that it had. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember hugs from my mom. I remember her hand on my forehead when I had a fever and none of it had anything to do with the way she looked in Mm -hmm. a bathing suit. Not one thing. It was how it made me feel, which Mm -hmm. is something that as a mom, I really try to focus on. Um, But I also am old enough now to unfortunately have had people I care about who are the same age as I am um, get a diagnosis that they didn't want, Mm -hmm. get and find out they have an illness or a syndrome and realize very quickly that what matters about your body is now it looks absolutely yeah um because they would take 20 extra pounds mm-hmm. to handle the chemo mm-hmm. in a heartbeat so i didn't have that perspective when i was in college for mm-hmm. sure and these are the people that you're dealing with mm-hmm. most of the day how how do you reframe this for for kids who are I mean, they're growing up. I'm a 90s kid. Mm -hmm. I I definitely grew up with like the Calvin Klein ads, the Kate Moss, Fiona Apple, heroin chic. There Mm -hmm. was, you know, 90 pounds was kind of the goal. Uh, But I didn't have Instagram Mm -hmm. and I didn't have TikTok and I didn't have YouTube. How how do you reframe this message for kids who are literally bombarded all day Mm -hmm. long Mm -hmm. by people who look like what they think is perfect? Mm -hmm. You know... I, I think, oh, absolutely. I, my heart goes out to, I, you know, I'm so grateful that I did not have social media and, and still, oh, yes. you know, it happened for me. 
Um, and so, yeah, how much harder is it right now? Um, so, I mean, we do a lot of the <laughs> pretty stereotypical counselor question. How does it make you feel? And I right. think, I think that's a good question for all of us. How does what this, what I'm taking in right now make me feel? And that means, you know, food as much as it means social media content, as much content as it means. Content is content, sure. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think also it's the looking out versus the looking in, you know, so scrolling through social media is looking out as much as it, as, you know, reading a book from the latest nutritional professional is looking out and it, mm. and it really moves us away from this process of, of looking in. Um, and I think a lot of times, you know, I have the privilege of working at a military school where the language of, um, it's complicated. It is so complicated, mm. um, especially for this work. But um, the language of, of values is really accessible for these young men and women. Um, mm. They are really interested in, you know, a purpose-driven life. Um, sure. And so we, we talk a lot about whether or not this, this sort of life is consistent with their values, um, with who they want to be, whether it is getting them to that, to that end that they see for themselves when they sit down and really think about it. That's a tricky spot, too, because it's tough to be introspective especially Mm -hmm. in a world that's built for us to distract, distract, distract. Mm -hmm. But right now we're in a time of, even if we're still working, even if we're still schooling, Mm -hmm. we're doing it from home. We don't have quite as much outside noise, or at least Mm -hmm. we have a choice about what we choose to let in Mm -hmm. to our world. So in quarantine, um, whatever level of quarantine people are choosing to have right now, I have seen a lot of jokes and memes, a lot of self-deprecating humor, and I've heard it come out of my own mouth even when I don't want it to mm-hmm. about gaining the quarantine 15 mm-hmm. or the COVID-19 mm-hmm. or, you know, many of us are using food as a measure of comfort. And I have received the message that emotional eating is a weakness mm-hmm that eating because you're sad as opposed to just, you know, if you're not hungry enough for raw celery, then Mm -hmm. you're not hungry. Um, How would you speak to someone about all of those messages Mm -hmm. and what, what we're dealing with and living out? This is something not one of us has ever gone through before. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much going on right now. As you said, you know, I think my own experience is that everything tender is closer to the surface, right? Mm. Be that Mm -hmm. emotions or family dynamics or underlying issues with food and our bodies. Um, But there's also some really concrete stuff that's happening. So there may be more shelf stable food in the house, right? Like Mm -hmm. rice and pasta, which maybe we had previously restricted or limited. Or conversely, there might be fear or anxiety about food scarcity. You know, there at the beginning of all this, we saw pictures of empty shelves at stores all the time. And that can create a lot of anxiety for folks, especially if there's a history of food insecurity or or deprivation. Mm. Add that to the loss of structure, the loss of routine, the loss of previously relied on you know, coping mechanisms, Mm -hmm. and it creates quite a um, situation that is, well, it's messy, and it's it's honestly ripe for, um, you know, uh, eating issues, we'll Mm. say. So I think a couple things. One is just, you know, infusing it with self-compassion. I think self-compassion is everything, and that is sort of the catch-all term, um, I think coined by a woman named Kristen Neff. And she talks about um, there being three components to that. The first is mindfulness, which is basically like the recognition that this is a thing, that this is happening and that this is hard. Mm. The second is a recognition of common humanity, right? So um, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one for whom this is hard. 
And then the third piece is self-kindness. So, you know, is there a way for me to be kind to myself in the midst of this? I think with regards to food, um, it is so understandable, especially if this is an area of struggle or growth, um, that this would be extra challenging right now. Right. We, as you said, we are learning how to do this. We, mm. none of us have previous experience. Well, and may we never have another absolutely. experience. Absolutely. I, I don't <laughs> want it. Um, but it doesn't help to do it with a critic over mm. our shoulder, right? Right. Um, it helps to do it with a friend. And our inner voice is, you know, it's the most present voice in our lives. It is the most For consistent. better or worse. Absolutely. And so, you know, is there a way to make it friendly? Could I say, okay, you know, this is hard. This is confusing. I'm not quite sure I've got this figured out yet. I know I'm not the only one. If there is nothing else that this particular podcast episode is doing, you know, let it be said, this is hard right now. It is hard. The struggle about, you know with food and with eating and with living in our bodies in this moment is hard right now. You are not doing it wrong if it's hard right now. And what can I do to be kind to myself in this moment? I think, you know, one of the principles of intuitive eating is respect your body. And that, that looks like a lot of things, you know, um, but one thing it looks like is how we talk to, to our body about our mm. body and, you know, really like what we put on our body. I've heard that we should all be putting on our jeans at least once a week to be sure we can still fit into them. <laughs> that doesn't seem kind to me <laughs> unless you really have some jeans that you love. Um, you know, I remember... Um, uh, about a year ago, I gave a talk to a group of dietitians on intuitive eating. And I remember feeling like, okay, I had to be on my game for this. Um, right. I, and I wanted to look sharp and I put on a pair of pants that were, you know, cute, great. I felt good. And I had an, about an hour drive. I got in the car and I, it, it didn't feel good. And I got to the end <clears> of my driveway and I thought, okay, this is not, I, I, this is going to be a hard day. This is a hard thing that I'm doing. One thing that I can do right now, if I'm going to walk this walk, is change my pants. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> I went Good for you. and I changed my pants. Um, and that is, you know, that is respecting my body in that moment. That is self-compassion in that moment. Um, and it, that may look like joggers now, right? That may look like more sweatpants. Um, and I know it looks like less self-criticism. Um, you know, I think similarly, eating for comfort um, is so, 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 so normal. It is, you know... We are when we babies do this, right? right. I think anyone who right. has ever fed a child knows that they want to nurse when they fall and scrape their knee just as much as they want to nurse when it's time for dinner, right? right. Or when you know they're scared or when they're sad or whatever, right? Like babies enter the world crying and looking for food, and you know. We've been doing this for millennia. We've been celebrating around food. We've been grieving around food. It is, in fact, one of our innate internal drives to eat. Um, we have several. There, you know, we are driven to eat for hunger, for connection, for curiosity, for novelty, and for comfort. It is, mm. it is built in to the system again. And the reason we are so afraid of it is because of this larger issue of fat phobia or weight stigma or whatever name we want to put on it. Um, it. It's the fear of gaining weight that makes us so afraid of comforting ourselves in this way. Mm. And if it weren't for that, eating for comfort is a really wonderful, pleasurable um you know, pretty innocuous way to comfort ourselves, right? It is not hurting anyone. 
Especially sure. if... This is not an illegal drug. <laughs> it is not. And, you know, I think about... Um, this is such a silly example, but um, I just bought shampoo that I used in high school because it makes me... Oh, I love that. So happy. <laughs> Was it? Is it herbal essences? It's um, like the Aussie, the one with the kangaroo on it. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. The purple bottle. The purple bottle. Um and it just really makes me happy. I don't know what I'm putting on my head, but it makes me happy. <laughs> and and I think if that is true for shampoo, how much more is that true for like the cookies that I grew up with in my house every single day or yes. the bread that my mom made regularly or, you know, the mashed potatoes that always signaled holiday, right? Yes. It's a special time. You're okay. You're mm-hmm. in, the com- in the presence of loved ones. You're safe. Yeah. That's such an important thing. So what what does a day of intuitive eating look like? Because I remember the first real introduction I had to intuitive eating was feeding my children. Mm-hmm. The idea that some days they might be really hungry and some days maybe not so much. And that's okay. And that was kind of like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. They should eat the same thing, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day, all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And that was when the seed was sort of planted for me. Like, wait, you mean I might not need exactly X hundred calories mm-hmm. every day? Mm-hmm. That maybe some days I'm more hungry than others? And that's fine. It depends on your mood and your activity level and how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. What What does that look like? In quarantine or otherwise. Yeah. You know, I think you're absolutely right that it's different every day. It is a moving target. That's one of the things that's so wonderful about intuitive eating is that there is no, well, today was perfect, right? Or or today right. no um, such thing. was a failure, right? No, we are just on this journey. And um, so, you know, this will speak to a couple of the other principles of intuitive eating too. I think first of all, the foundation, like really what all of this hinges on is the idea of unconditional permission to eat. So it, Mm. that is, is just the, um, that's a radical thought. It is radical. It is totally radical. And, um, but it's, it's this idea that you can eat anything you want whenever you want, however much of it that you want. Because mm. you're a grown-up. That makes people scared. I oh, promise you someone's heart has skipped a beat absolutely, listening to that. Absolutely. And that's because that process has been, um, it's been impeded, right? Um, if we give ourselves permission um, and we give ourselves abundance, and again, this is, this is speaking from a super privileged position and, um, you know, I'm fully aware of that. There are people who do not sure. have that option. But if we give ourselves permission and if we give ourselves abundance, we are able to make, um, we're able to discern what to, what choice to make. Um, permission plus abundance equals discernment. And that is, mm. um, that's, that needs to be unpacked probably for like four more hours. But, um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, for the sake of, of brevity, it, that basically means if we have permission to eat what we want and we have enough to choose from, we can choose. We can make that choice. Our choice won't be based on, um, on that, you know, rebound eating or that mm. last supper eating, right? Well, I'm never going right. to eat this again, so I better get Got out of it Got to clear it out now. Um, and, and I think when we get to that place too, you know, I thought, I was running an errand, a drive-through errand today, mm-hmm. my one moment out of the house, and I was going to pass Chick-fil-A, and I thought, you know, that could be really, like, a nice little treat mm-hmm. for myself. Um, and this is a really radical concept, so hang on. Mm-hmm. I didn't super want it. Mm-hmm. I just didn't really, I mean, it wasn't the last time I was ever going to pass Chick-fil-A. Yeah. And I know it's tough to, to imagine ever not wanting Chick-fil-A. <laughs> But just knowing, getting to a point in my life where if I want it tomorrow, I'll go grab it tomorrow. Yes. Um, it will be fine. Yes. We'll allow ourselves to do that. Is that kind of the guiding principle behind this? Like you won't ever be restricted. You don't have to be scared. You will never be restricted. And, mm. you know, um, it's talked about like... Um, it's called the habituation effect, um, right? The The way that 
um, anything becomes more ordinary, the more exposure and access we have to it. So it's what happens with leftovers in the fridge. They are just not as appealing on day two or day three Mm -hmm. or day four. Um, if we tell, but if, if we tell ourselves we cannot have the food or that we can't have too much of the food and we sure can't have the food in the way that we want it, that, that habituation Mm. effect doesn't happen. Restriction really keeps food exciting. It keeps it alluring. It keeps it, um, you know, new and interesting and, and totally worth obsessing over. And so, you know, that's a, a big part of the, but if I start, I will never stop. Mm. If you start with full knowledge that you can have it again in an hour or half an hour, if you want it. What does that look like? Right. You probably will. You know, we do this. I do this exercise with, with, I would say most of the students I work with around this and you pick a thing, a food. Um, and most students do start with one. Um, and some people will start with a food that is, um, not, you know, the most anxiety producing. Um, but for example, I recently worked with a student around, um, tortilla chips, you know, she wanted, um, tortilla, she was, felt crazy around tortilla right. chips. She wanted them all the time, felt like she couldn't control herself around them, binged on them. Um, and so we got um, a lot of tortilla chips. You know, she got more bags than she could possibly, that she felt like she could possibly eat in one sitting. Mm-hmm. She had them in her room. And, you know, there is some just promise your partners and your, you know, family members that this is part of a process and, you know, also don't eat my tortilla chips. Um, (laughs) But, you know, her, the process is you begin to eat them and you notice them, you notice how they feel, you notice how they make your body feel. And then you try, you, you stop when you're done and then you eat them again the very next time you want them. And you do the same thing. You eat as much as you want for as long as you want. And you stop when you're done-ish. And then you eat them again the very next time you want them. And it is, it, is, it is a way of just sort of rekindling that trust with our bodies. Our relationship with our body is no different than any other relationship. And, you know, if I am constantly asking some, for something and never receiving that or constantly Mm -hmm. being shot down, that relationship gets complicated. If I am asking for something and the person I'm asking responds with, okay, I am going to do my very best to meet that need. That relationship is much different. Mm. And it's hard when that relationship is with yourself Mm -hmm. because you are the only gatekeeper. Mm -hmm. And so we miss the mark. We miss the mark a lot, you know, and, you know, thank goodness for better and worse. We have opportunities to practice this so often. Multiple times (laughs) a day. Absolutely. And so if we miss the mark once or if we have, you know, a, a complicated or more seemingly conflictual moment with food, um, let's try again in three hours. You know, because we're going to be hungry. Because we're going to be hungry again every time. That's, and that's the up and down side to having mm-hmm. issues with food, right? Mm-hmm. Is oh, it is. Any other addiction or obsession mm-hmm. or focus you could step away from mm-hmm. for a minute? Mm-hmm. Not so much. I mean, it's kind of like oxygen and food it and is. sleep. Yeah. We, we, yeah. we need to do that. I would love to have you back when COVID is done because I. A, believe it will be done, and I'm putting putting that, voicing it into the universe, mm-hmm. speaking it into existence. Um, but to talk about kind of, I think that's a whole separate discussion about the next generation. Yeah. What that looks like as a parent. Absolutely. To not, to raise someone who is prepared to listen to that small, still voice mm-hmm. in themselves mm-hmm. and also know that snacks are here. We don't need to hoard them. We don't yeah. need to binge them. They are here. They will be here. 
Yeah. But if you could say anything to someone listening to this who is making that joke about you won't even recognize me on the other side of quarantine, whose biggest fear is I will be 25 pounds heavier Mm -hmm. at the end of this quarantine, what what is your response to that? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of of compassion for that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I swim in the same water and Mm -hmm. it is, it is shark infested. Yeah. It is no good. No, it's nasty water. It is nasty. And, um, you know, I think this community that you're creating here is a gift. I think there's Mm -hmm. so much potential in, in a community that, um, can sort of, challenge that water that challenge that um you know societal uh norm sure um so i think just a lot of compassion a lot of encouragement to like find support i cannot the the thing about intuitive eating is i can't tell you what your body will do on the other side of it Mm. Um, and that's scary too that is it is scary you know i can tell you i have experienced it in my own life and i've seen it time and time again that your life will be different you Mm -hmm. will be engaged in a much different way you will feel things more deeply right there is a sense in which um, a preoccupation with food in our body keeps us less um, yes it's a fixation that takes up our brain yeah and and that's that can be a gift right that can be a real a real great thing when the world is crumbling around us Mm -hmm. or when our our children are melting down or when everyone has needs right that can be a lovely thing to check out in that way but i think most of us if again if we sat down and had a conversation about our values most of us would say we don't want to be checked out for this right we want to be there. I want we, to live it. We want to, we want to live it, you know, good, bad, and ugly. And I, I will say that um, this, this changes it and it, in such a way that, that you can live it. Mm. And, you know, even more than living it, I think what most of us want is to model that mm-hmm. both for our children and mm-hmm. for the people we love because I think if we heard the inner voice, the inner critic, or the inner dialogue that's happening in the people we love most, we mm-hmm. we would be heartbroken. Mm-hmm. Just Absolutely, you don't yeah. you don't get to say that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if any other person on the planet said to my best friend what her brain said to her, mm-hmm. I would be like, I think we're gonna have to rumble in the jungle, friend. <laughs> this is not okay. Yeah, no. you don't get to do that. That is bullying, and we are going to correct this situation with great haste. And mm-hmm. yet. Here we are living with that voice, mm-hmm. you know, every waking hour. So I would love to continue this conversation in the future when it comes to modeling that for our children, speaking neutrally about food. That it's just, you know, I've noticed my children even pick up habits from friends, mm-hmm. classmates, family members. I noticed a child, um, one of our four kids, checking the sugars, mm. the sugar grams oh. on a a label, which mm-hmm. has never been a thing that we've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> meanwhile, the thing he was checking, I can't even remember what it was, but it was some kind of like fruit product, like raisins or something. And I was like, sir, you have actually eaten actual fun dip, which is just pure corn syrup with food coloring added in. So if ever there was a time to read a nutrition label, raisins is not it, my man. Uh-huh. Not right. it. But all of that to say they do, they pick up those messages and they carry it with them. And most of us are shaped not by what, I mean, many of us were told things directly, Mm -hmm. probably, and Mm -hmm. unfortunately, but a lot of us heard secondhand, we heard commercials, we, we saw ads, Mm -hmm. we read articles and we heard our moms talking about themselves Mm -hmm. and any, anything I can do to lay the groundwork for a less antagonistic internal dialogue I'm here for. Mm-hmm. Oh, so absolutely. Yeah. I am so thankful for your time. Is there anything that you want to say to folks who are in the same boat we are mm-hmm. wanting the mashed potatoes, wanting the fun fetty icing on, mm-hmm. you know, rainbow chip cake while we're all stuck at home? Um, anything that you would want to say before, before we wrap things up? 
You know, I think bottom line is that you can trust that. And and it might take some work to get to trust that. And, you know, this is, for a lot of people, this is a time that feels fuller and more chaotic. If mm-hmm. it feels like there is space at all right now, like mm-hmm. like there has been some space cleared out, I would really just encourage people to get curious, to start mm-hmm. getting curious about what it is in in your history or mm-hmm. what about your current thinking about food and your body? What about that is contributing? Um, you know, if you've got the bandwidth, consider ordering the book Intuitive Eating. Um, they have a workbook that's excellent and that really um, has a lot of good, good exercises that begin the work of sort of peeling back those layers. And also consider working with um, an intuitive eating counselor or dietitian. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a list on the intuitive eating website. They are all over the country. Um, and a lot of them are working remotely, are working via teletherapy at this point. So if there feels, if it feels like there is space for that, of course, right now is not the time to be adding another should or, <laughs> right? Um, right? Another plate to spin. No, absolutely not. Um, but um, if it feels like there's space for that, then, then could you get curious? And even if, if there does, if there isn't space for that, could you begin to replace some of the judgment with curiosity, mm. right? Huh? What's that about? That's like, such a, a more compassionate option than just how could you do that? Absolutely. Why would you want that? Yeah. And even I think the question, just putting your friend's face on it, mm-hmm. you know, if someone called me and said I ate, Mm-hmm. A third of a uh, chicken pot pie. Mm-hmm. I mean, so freaking what? Mm-hmm. My goodness, you are mm-hmm. homeschooling two children. You didn't go to school for that. You mm-hmm. are working a part-time job. Mm-hmm. You are maintaining relationships mm-hmm. from afar. The least of my concerns, like number 532 mm-hmm. on the list, is your body fat yeah. percentage right now. Yeah. Well, oh and gosh. what about... What what is it that told you that was bad, right? Like, did right. you steal it? Sure. Because if you didn't, there is We're nothing. Good. You morally... don't need to pay for it more than once, <laughs> right? Absolutely, you know. And and so I think that there too. What? Where did I pick up this belief system, or or this particular belief about the third of the pot pie, right? That that is now going to wreak havoc on my mood, on my self worth, on my energy level. On my right. patients for the rest of the day, we can't we can't do that. We don't have enough of that to spare right now. Yeah, we are we are getting by on scraps. I remember a, a counselor I saw in my senior year in college, and I was so uncomfortable to see her. And I remember waiting for her door to open for my appointment time, and someone I love, respect, and admire to this day uh, walked out, and we ran smack into each other going into my counselor's office. And I thought, oh my gosh. She knows I see a counselor. This is the worst thing that's ever happened. And I told my dad that. And he was like, babe, let's think this through. <laughs> what is she going to tell people? I was leaving my counselor's office. Okay. And I saw Anne going into the, okay, you're fine. So I go into this counselor and I tell her, I had five pieces of pizza last night. Five. Mm-hmm. One after the other. And she said, did you like chew and swallow them? Were they good? Mm-hmm. I mean, did you just shovel them down and not taste them? Or did you like them? Is that why you kept eating them? And I was like, no, it was really great. I usually get the $1 slices. and mm-hmm. These were quite good. And she was like, yeah, I'm not worried about that. Mm-hmm. What, what else you got? Mm-hmm. And it was such a radical concept. Mm-hmm. Here's a grown up with letters after her name saying, yeah, not yeah. not a big deal. And what, what else can you throw at me? Because well, this is the yeah. least of your problems. Absolutely. And that's that permission piece. And I think really all food tastes better all food is in fact healthier we are able to absorb more of it if it does not come with a side of guilt and shame if Mm. it feels satisfying and again you can't see me but my hands are in the air yes (laughs) yes yeah bring that truth and it's a tough thing to remember but it is um it's necessary at this Mm. point because you're your daily calorie count is the least of my worries right now. Mm-hmm. I want you to be okay. 
Well, I'm so thankful for your time and for your compassion and voice of reason in all this. And I hope that as things lift and clear up, we can talk a little bit more about kind of chapter two. What does it look like to absorb this message, mm-hmm. figure it out, and also model it for people? Because uh, I'm figuring it out, all of it, whatever it is, as I go. How can I model that for my children, especially my female children? Mm-hmm. As I'm still learning it myself, because I had the very misguided belief that my parents had it all figured out, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that they were the actual capital A adults, knew everything, Um, newsflash, that's Mm -hmm. not accurate. (laughs) It's very scary to know that we are all just, there's no handbook, we're Mm -hmm. all just a science experiment. So how can we continue living our life while moving forward and preparing little people to eat the freaking chicken pot pie? Yes. You know, honestly, at this point, after supper, some nights where one night this food is great and the next night it's disgusting mm-hmm. and how dare you put it on my plate. The, eating the chicken pie is the least of my worries. Mm-hmm. Just please eat anything. I know. You tell me what you tell me what that thing is. I'll give it to you. My yeah. goodness. Yeah. And that's another um, another comfort food issue. But we have made many a macaroni and cheese plate in quarantine and I, I have zero qualms yeah. about it. Uh-huh. No, we're, totally. We're getting through, Kate. And there, we're through. and there's so much benefit to you know having a mama who is not so stressed about getting them to eat a vegetable that she can't be present yes. with them. You know, you are we're trying. A, we're all. I know siblings crying at the table, ruining your meal. It's it's an experience. It is a dance. It's we're doing the best mm-hmm. we can. And tomorrow, maybe it'll be a little better. Maybe not. Yes. TBD. I'll let you know. We'll <laughs> see. Good. We'll see. Well, thank you so much, Kate. I am excited to see um, what people's thoughts are when Me we get too. through this. And if people want to reach out to you, is there a way they can connect or a resource that you would recommend to them? Um, I believe my contact, and I know it is, my contact information is um, on the Intuitive Eating Counselors website. Um, And I, I mean, I, like I said, I love talking about this. I would be happy to, to talk to anybody, answer some questions. Um, Yeah, whatever. We will make sure we put that in the show notes so people know where to find you and where to find that website. And then I'm sure there will be many a conversation to be had about this. Sounds good. I hope so. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kate. This was such a treat. Thank you for me too. And and thank you, like I said, for really just um, changing the way we're talking about this. Um, Using your voice to do that is, I think that's how we got in touch the very first time, right? You posted something wonderful and I... Um, I love that. Just thank you for that because it is, it's rare and it is just such a gift. So thank you. It's necessary. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think anyone, anyone needs to feel a little less alone, whether Mm -hmm. you're in the middle of the struggle or on the other side, or just starting to ask the question of, Mm -hmm. could there be something else besides, you know, Mm -hmm. weighing my boiled carrots? (laughs) Is there, is there something more than 1,345 calories oh, and measured? There is. There, there is. is. And yeah. it's chicken pot pie and it's delicious <laughs> and you're going to love it. <laughs> That's it for today's But Not All at Once. Thanks so much for joining us, y'all. I hope you'll subscribe because we have a lot to talk about this season and I don't want you to miss a single story. If you love what we're doing, would you consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts? It would mean the world, like more than a porch drop of a large Chick-fil-A sweet tea with pellet ice. It's a big deal. Come join the conversation at But Not All At Once on Instagram or email me directly at butnotallatonce at gmail.com. As always, I'm Ann Smith, and I'll see you right here next week. Bye, guys.